You know, there are certain words that um, are only associated in a religious context, and, uh, and tithing is one of those words. Uh, we, we recognize that. You can go out on the street and talk to anybody, use that word tithing, and they would recognize it has some religious context, but may not exactly know what it is. And even some of us who uh, may know more about the Bible than perhaps some others do may not actually know a lot about tithing. And so this morning what we're going to be doing is focusing on what the Bible says about tithing and, and what it means and what it is, uh, and then also how that applies to us today in a, a modern 21st century context under the authority of the New Testament. And so let's first of all think about the, the fact that, um, that the definition of tithing. <clears throat> And that is that tithing is by definition 10%. Now, I know I have heard people in a religious context say that if they gave anything when the collection plate came by, that they had tithed that day. And I, I think for most people, that this word tithe is just associated with giving something, anything, any amount, to the church. But in actuality, the very definition of tithe is 10%. And so unless a person has actually given 10% or more, they have not in reality tithed. And so I think it's important, first of all, to notice that uh, the, the definition of tithing being 10%. By the way, you may have heard in the church that you ought to give 10%. And, um, and that would be where that advice had come from because tithe is 10%. But now let, let's talk about this. Um, let's talk about the fact that tithing, there, there are basically two main sections to our, our lesson and our time together today. The first one being the fact that tithing was fundamental to serving God in the past. Now, if you've been a member of the church for quite a while, you may have when the word tithe comes up, you may your first thought may be, well, we don't do that anymore. Well, we'll get to that in a few minutes, but, but for now, let's make the point and notice from Scripture that tithing was fundamental to serving God in the past, and that is something that we need to understand, uh, that when they were to give, it wasn't just 10% of their cash, but 10% of everything that they have. It might be their herds, it might be their crops, whatever uh, physical possessions they had. Uh, the book, um, the word tithe or some derivative of it, tithing, is found over 50 times in the, in the Bible. And so this is something that was very important to God's people in the past. Uh, one of the things about it is that tithing was, we need to notice, is that tithing was practiced before the law of Moses. Now, if you have uh, some familiarity with the Old Testament, you may recognize that uh, tithing was something that was required under the law of Moses, and you're right, but it's also something that was actually practiced even before then. Uh, for example, Abraham uh, gave tithes, and this was about 400 years before the Ten Commandments were actually given, in which the, the law of Moses came about. It's 400 years before also, we find Jacob in Genesis chapter 28 was, was so moved by God's goodness that he voluntarily offered to 
tithe to give 10% of what he had been blessed with back to God. And so it was something that was practiced uh, even before the law of Moses came along. But now another fact about tithing is that it was commanded and practiced under the law of Moses. And so while it was practiced before but not necessarily commanded, when the law of Moses came along and, and those, that law was given now to God's people, uh, we find that this commandment did come along. Uh, and there are a number of passages, and I, I, I'll have most of them on the screen. I, know, I notice we have a lot of note takers, and that's encouraging. And if you're, we're not going to have the time to, to dig into all of these verses and, and read all of them, but if you want to know more about it, I would encourage you to take some notes, and then in your own time go back and study. Make sure what I'm saying is true. I would, I would encourage you to do that. But one of the passages where tithing is talked about is in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23. And in reality, the, the tithing that was required was something that symbolized their gratitude to God. As we talked about this morning in our class, God's been so good, and so it's natural to want to give back to someone who's been so good to us. Uh, their tithing was also a, a demonstration of their faith. When they were told to give the first fruits of their crops and their herds. That was an act of faith that there would be more later. Uh, sometimes we want to hedge, right? Uh, we'll take care of what we want, what we need, and then whatever's left over, God, it's all yours. But God said, no, uh, you need to give the first fruits to me first. And when they did that, that was actually a demonstration of their faith that God would not allow them to go without. Another fact about tithing, and here's the one where you'll shake your head and say, what do you mean? But I'll explain. Tithing under the old law required much more than 10%. Now you're thinking, but you just said that a tithe is 10%. And I did, and that is true. But this statement is also true because of this fact. And this is where a lot of folks didn't realize this is true but it's all in the bible and you can find it for yourself and i'll give you the references but where this is true is because more than one tithe was required okay so yes a tithe is 10 percent, but more than one tithe was required first there was what is called the the uh, or the first tithe it's one that's sometimes called the priestly tithe we read about the commandment for that in luke uh, or level uh, Leviticus chapter 27, and, and this is 10%. This is what you and I would perhaps think of as our Sunday contribution, okay? Uh, every, um, when they were blessed, when they had income, they were to give 10% of it uh, for the, the, the purposes that were stated in this passage. But now there was also a second tithe. And for that one, we, we read in Deuteronomy chapter 14, going back to that passage where, where we were a minute ago. And this one was also to be contributed every year, or, or every year uh, 10%. So 10% for the priestly tithe, but then 10% for this one. And this one was different because it was uh, something, it was a tithe 
where so the money or whatever it was maybe you had some crops you had some herds you sold them and the, the goods for that you would use to fund the the different um, religious festivals and feasts that they would be involved in and required to attend uh, under the old law they would stay at least one week at the passover they would stay one week at the feast of tabernacles and then they would have a shorter stay at the feast of weeks now you can imagine in each one of these there is uh, transportation costs there's lodging costs there's food costs there's also the the uh, expense of having a sacrificial animal so rather than taking one of your herds to Jerusalem you're allowed to sell that give that convert that to cash if you will and then when you got to Jerusalem buy one to be sacrificed so think of it this way just imagine that being a part of the New Testament first century church today required that once a year you went to Los Angeles for one week for a religious gathering and then while you were there you would be expected to give some things as well and then there was another time in the year where you would be expected to go to San Francisco for one week you would have the, the transportation the lodging the food the sacrifices and then once a year for about three days a little shorter time but for three days you went to Sacramento and did the same thing now you can easily see where this would become a, a fairly expensive thing to do. I mean, you think about those when we go on a vacation. Ever been on a vacation where when you got done, you thought, wow, I didn't know it was going to end up being that much? Well, this was not vacation, but there were nevertheless costs and expenses involved. And this second tithe, they were commanded to be able to finance those obligations that they were to have for the, the Passover and the Feast of Weeks and the Feast of Tabernacles. And so we have the first tithe that's 10%, and then we have a second tithe that is 10%, and then there is also a third tithe that is mentioned in Deuteronomy 14, 28, and 29. Now, the, and, and as you'll see when you read this, this tithe is different than the first in that it is not an annual tithe, but to be given every third year. Specific reason, specific purpose for this particular tithe, uh, and it was to be given every third year. So if you were to annualize it, uh, this would be 3.33% per year. So we're already up to what? 23.3%. Add to that, now there were other opportunities uh, for them to give. There was, when they got to the Feast of Weeks, Deuteronomy 16.10, there was a free will offering. Uh, also, at times, animals were given in payment of vows. Leviticus chapter 27, uh, verses 9 and 28 there was the requirement of the, the sacrifice of the firstborn animal. By the way, a firstborn animal, that's, a, um, that's quite a sacrifice, isn't it? Will there be another one born this year? We don't know. But we're going to sacrifice the first one to God. Leviticus chapter 22, 26 through 29. By the way, 
any animal that was sacrificed would no longer produce any more animals. In a way, it was much more than the sacrifice of one animal. It was the sacrifice of every animal that that animal would have been a part of producing. Quite a sacrifice. There were also regular thank offerings. You go through the Old Testament, you find a number of things like that. Put it all together, the average devout, and I'm not suggesting everybody was devout and dedicated and did as they should, but for the ones who did what the old law required, you can add it up, it was somewhere near 30% of their income, their crops, their herds, their everything. Wow. I don't know about you, but I I read that and I think that is incredibly generous for them to do that. Incredibly high expectations from their God. But then again, he has that right, doesn't he? Because he was their God and he was the source of everything he was requiring for them to give back. But nevertheless, I think we all are pretty amazed at that generosity. And so that's why we say that the practice of tithing under the old law required more than 10%. That may be why some of us today are quick to say, oh, we don't tithe anymore. There's a third thing about tithing that we have to understand and, and recognize. Uh, yeah, those, those, I'm sorry, I should have jumped ahead with those scripture references for you. The, the next thing to recognize about tithing is that God promised to bless their generosity. And this is where I would encourage you to turn in your Bible to Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. It's, you know, God recognizes that requiring this is kind of a big deal. I mean, he's, re- he's requiring it, but he recognizes it is requiring great sacrifice on their part. And yet, some were not doing it. I told you a minute ago, I'm not suggesting that everybody did what they should have. And, and some obviously were not doing that. In Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8, the question is asked, will a man rob God? Now that seems like a strange question. And then before that question can even be answered, it was, the answer was given. Yes, they will. And how If you're looking at your Bible, Malachi 3 and verse 8, how is it that somebody robs God? By not giving everything that they should have given. And so he said, you're robbing me. And they say, well, we haven't stolen from you. And he says, yes, you have, because you haven't been giving the full tithe. And notice what he says in verse 10. He says, bring the whole tithe. Again, there were some who wanted to give not be seen, not giving, didn't want to feel guilty about not giving, so they gave something, but they didn't give what was expected. He says, I tell you what, I'm going to make you a deal. You bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. You've got food in your house. You've taken care of your needs. What about my needs, God says? You bring it so that there can be food in my house, and I'll tell you what I'll do. I will open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you until it overflows. Can you picture that? The the window of heaven is opened up and God just 
pours out blessings on the one who did what? Who brought the full tithe and therefore didn't rob God. God knows that is a big expectation that he has given, and he has offered and promised to bless their generosity. By the way, this verse is the only time God ever tells us to test him. He says, test me. You bring the whole tithe, you give everything you should be giving, and test me and see if I won't pour out for you a blessing that just overflows on you. Yes, generosity, or, or tithing, I should say, was fundamental to serving God in the past, and He promised to bless that generosity. And that's what the Bible says in a quick nutshell about tithing. But what does that mean for us today? Because, you know, we, we practiced this a few minutes ago, and we didn't call it tithing, did we? We said we had an opportunity to give, and the plates went around, and we did that, but but what's the difference between then and now? Well, that's what we want to focus on now. So the first part is that tithing was fundamental to serving God in the past. Now, the second part of our focus this morning is to recognize that generous giving is fundamental to serving God today. And you might think, well, that's just a matter of semantics. Well, not quite. I can see why you might think that, but not, but not quite. Let me tell you what the New Testament says about this practice as well. Perhaps you are aware, but there was an old law and a new law. According to Colossians chapter 2 and verse 14, when Jesus died on the cross, the old law was nailed to that cross and was done away with. Tithing was required under that first law, that old law. But since the death and the resurrection of Jesus, we now live under the new law. The Bible has an Old Testament and a New Testament. And that new one is the one we're living under now. And in that new law and in that New Testament, we find that we don't find the term tithe. What we do find is the same concept of God requiring generosity. I'll show you what we're talking about here. We find that we are now under that new covenant. And according to these verses in Hebrews and, and some others, everything in that new covenant is better. Everything. We have better promises. We have better blessings. We have a better Savior. You know, under the old law, the, the shepherd took one of his sheep and sacrificed it to God. Under the new law, the great shepherd was sacrificed for us. I mean, everything, everything about the new law is better. Everything. And in that new law, we find this idea, there, there's still this continuing theme of God's people generously giving to the things that are important to God. By the way, to the one who truly belongs to God, the things that are important to God are also important to him and to her. Let's look at a few of the guidelines that the Bible gives us for giving. The New Testament gives us some guidelines. So while we are not specified a percentage in the term tithe, 
we are given some guidelines. By the way, it, it is not strange to me that God does not now require a certain amount be given. It doesn't surprise me at all because He doesn't do that for any other godly activity, does He? Tell me the Bible, the, the verse in the Bible where God says, I want you to pray X number of times a day, minimum. Does He do it? No. All right, minimum number of people you're going to talk to about Jesus this week is, doesn't have that. How, how many times are you, see, you see, None of these good, godly, spiritual activities come with a minimum requirement. And neither does giving. But there are some guidelines to help us assess where we are in our giving. First of all, there is to be a percentage. Uh, this passage was read a few minutes ago, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, uh, verses 1 and 2. Uh, there is to be a percentage. Again, that percentage is not spelled out for us, but we do find terms like generous in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 5. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a generous giver. What's generous? Well, he allows us to define that and then do that. There is also in our giving to be a perspective. Um, and I say that because it is possible for some, and we, we see it in Matthew 23, 23. He's talking to the scribes and the Pharisees, the ones he called the hypocrites. He said, you have paid your tithes of anise, cumin, and dill. These were spices, herbs. So they, they had a little herb garden, and they pulled ten leaves of dill off, and, and one of those goes to God. Isn't that amazing? Wow, talk about a diligent, generous giver. But then he says, but you've also taken away widows' houses. And you shouldn't have done that. You should have done one and not the other. In other words, even when we have given, and given generously and as we should, there is still more to our relationship with God than just the giving. It could be easy for someone to give generously or at least they feel it's generous and then say I'm now I'm done my obligation is done there isn't that reality and we should keep that in perspective in our giving one more guideline for our giving is that uh, there is to be a progression we are and we mentioned this this morning in class according to 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 7 we are to grow in this grace this grace being our giving, we're to grow in it also, just like we grow in our love and our faith and our knowledge in every other aspect in our relationship with God. And the person who really wants to abound in that is probably going to be increasing his giving. You know, there are some people, uh, I, heard a, I heard about a man, I think maybe it's, an, it's anecdotal, I don't know, but he said, you know, I vowed to give God $5 a week 40 years ago, and I'm still doing it. His, his giving hadn't grown. There had been no progression. He was still giving the exact same thing that he had been giving, even though there had been increases and raises and, and things had gone up in his life. There was no progression of the giving in his life. And in all likelihood, if my giving has not increased over the years, something's not right because typically 
things go up, don't they? We get raises, and we have windfalls, and there ought to be a progression in our giving according to what the Bible says. And then one more thing about the, the, this point, and this is where he uh, repeats basically what he said in the Old Testament, and that is, if you'll do this, I'll bless you for it. You remember in Malachi 3 and verse 10, bring the whole tithe and I'll open up for you the windows of heaven and I'll pour out a blessing on you. And it will overflow. Well, the same God repeats essentially the same promise in Luke chapter 6 and verse 38 where he says that you should, when you give, expect that it will be given back to you. But it won't be given back, back to you tit for tat, but even more so. He says, it will be given back to you how? Anybody remember? Pressed down, shaken together, running in your lap. He says, when you give, you're going to, be, you're going to receive in proportion to the way you give. God says, you give to me with a teaspoon, I'll give to you with a tablespoon. You give to me with a shovel, I'll give to you with a snow shovel. You give to me with a dump truck, I'll give to you with something that will bury a dump truck. God says, you cannot outgive me. Do you know why? Because God still blesses generous giving. But here's our problem. In fear, we say, God, if you'll bless me, then I'll be generous. Isn't that right? I've actually heard people say it in as many words. You know what, I'll tell you what, as soon as I get that windfall, as soon as I get that whatever. One guy even told me uh, he was tempted to play the lottery because if he won, he was going to give a lot of it to God. We love to talk about what we might do with what we don't have. And what God really cares about is what are we doing with what we do have. And, and so we in fear say, God, if you'll bless me, then I'll be generous. And what God is saying, no, you be generous and I'll bless you. God has already taken the first move. He's already given us everything that we have to be able to give back. If without Him, we have nothing and nothing to give back. And from that, He wants us to be generous. So here's the question. How much should I give? Do you know one time I actually had a, a woman tell me, and I think she was sincere, she said, if you will tell me how much to give, that's what I'll give. I said, well, make the check out to Keith to Sargent. No. I said, that's not, that's not a question I can answer for you. Only you can answer that. And the truth is, individually, we are the only ones that can answer that question because it is based on our relationship with God. But here's what I can tell you. I can tell you that it is to be as we have prospered. That's what the Bible says. And two things to consider as we are thinking about that. One is that the least anyone ever gave and was commended by God was 10%. 10% that base priestly tithe, that's the least. You will not find anywhere in the Bible 
where someone gave less than 10% and God was pleased by it. Can't find it. Point number one, 10% is the least anybody ever gave and God commended them. But the second part about that is 100% is the most we read of in Scripture. Do you remember that occasion? There was a, a, a widow and she didn't have much. By the way, that's something that people excuse all the time. Well, I just don't have much. I'm poor. Doesn't matter, does it? That widow was going into the temple and she put in both of her mites. And we don't see Jesus run over and say, oh, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. You ever thought about that? Jesus watched her give 100% and he didn't stop her. He didn't go and give her a refund. Instead, he commended her. And you and I are still talking about her to this day because of her generosity. My wife and I have always given no less than 10%, even when what was left over wasn't very much. And I will admit to you, I will confess to you, about a year into our marriage when things were really, really tight, I considered giving less. A little bit ashamed to admit that, but it was tight. And you know, God is the easiest budget cut you can make. You ever thought about that? We had a power bill, we had to eat, we had a mortgage. And those were all going to be expected to be on time, but God, you know, I felt pretty sure it was not going to come take away my oxygen that He provides and the sunshine He provides if I gave a little less. And I'll tell you, it was tempting. I don't know if you can identify with that, but it was tempting. It's an easy cut. But I couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. You know why? God has been so good to me. He has blessed me with everything I have and more than I need. How can he ever be a budget cut? There are some things that can be cut in my budget but it won't be him. Why? He's been so good, and he still blesses generosity. I had a church member come by one day, and he said, I want to talk to you. I'll tell you, as a preacher, that makes you nervous. He said, I want to tell you what happened. He said, you preached on giving about a month ago, and he said, my wife and I were convicted that we, we read the Bible, we prayed about it, we knew what we needed to do. We needed to increase our giving because it wasn't where it ought to be. But the truth is we couldn't afford it. We, we did the numbers, we couldn't afford it. We prayed about it more and we decided we're going to do it. And we did it anyway. He said, last week my boss called me in made him nervous and he promoted him to assistant manager and he said and do you know what my raise is he said it is to the dollar what we increased our contribution that gives me chicken skin 
Now, I'm not saying, I'm not making promises. This is not the prosperity gospel. But I can promise you that God blesses generosity. Don't, we don't give to manipulate God. Oh, I'm, I'm going to give so that I'm going to. No, no, we don't give to manipulate God. We give out of gratitude and we give out of a, a, a love for what is important to Him. And when we do that, I, He blesses us. He blesses us. On the day of Pentecost, there were thousands gathered that day who had been living under this old law uh, that required the tithing. And you know, that day, you might remember on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 were baptized. And they came up out of the water rejoicing. Now, can you imagine any of them? Remember, they, they had the, the blood of Jesus on their hands. Some of them literally had the blood of Jesus on their hands. And they heard Peter say that you've killed Jesus. And they were convicted and they said, what can we do? I imagine in some of them, the, the, the mind of some of them, they thought he was going to say, there's nothing you can do. But he didn't, did he? What did he say? Repent and be baptized and your sins will be washed away. And many of them did that. Can you imagine any of them coming up out of the water and saying, thank God I no longer have to give 10%. That wasn't the source of their joy. The source of their joy was the forgiveness that they had through Jesus. And today it ought to be the same for us. Let me leave you with this thought. How blessed would you be this week? We've already passed the plate. If God took what you gave and multiplied it by 10 and gave it back to you, how blessed would you be? Tithing was fundamental to serving God in the past. And those who were devoted to him practiced it, and he blessed them for doing so. Today, under the new law, the better law, God requires generous giving. And those who do that are blessed by him for doing so.